welcome to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr, owner of Barr Transportation. We're so glad you joined us today. Now, our mission here is very simple at Barr Transportation. It's to provide you with the most reliable and honest national transportation for your goods, paired with proactive communication throughout the entire life of the load. Now, this podcast is designed exactly for you. It's for sales managers, produce managers, logistics managers, traffic managers, the entire C-suite, anyone else who really wants to perform at the top of their game in this global food and beverage industry. So whether you're big or small, West Coast or East Coast, this podcast is meant for you. Now make sure to stick around at the end of each show and we'll reveal how you can apply to be on the show yourself so you can grow your authority, build partnerships, and help your business boom. Interviews are about 15 to 20 minutes long and I'll leave you with my favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. That's it. I'll see you on the inside. Enjoy this episode. All right. So welcome back, everybody. This is Andy Barr with Barr Transportation for another episode of the Food and Beverage Leaders podcast. Today we have Paul. Is it Manfree? Yes. Paul Manfrey, uh, joining us, and he is a produce expert. Uh, been in the years, been in the business 22 years. Is that right? 45. Oh, 45. Oh, okay. Okay, Paul. So you were with, uh, let's see, Top Cats for 20, almost 23 years. And then before that, S. Katzman, before that, I've done everything in this business. I've, I've grown stuff in Costa Rica, Mexico. I've lived in, I lived in India, Costa Rica, Mexico. I started as a fruit peddler 45 years ago on the streets of New York City. I've been a, a buyer, a street buyer. I've, I've, I've been a salesman. I've done it all. There's, wow. not, there's not one thing I haven't done in the produce business. That's well, that, you're the right person to be talking to today, then. So, so thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, without further ado, we'll jump in here. So, I know you just gave us a little intro, but kind of go over Top Cats. Uh, looks like you're based in Mission, Texas, but, you know, kind of go over Top Cats and where you source produce out of. Uh, why did you get into the produce industry? Uh, we'll start there. Well, I, like I said, I, uh, I started selling uh, fruits. Uh, uh, in fact, it was uh, it was my dad who uh, found this uh, found this business over forty years ago, and uh, started in a retail store with his friend owned. And then they went to a uh, fruit peddling in uh, Manhattan in uh, in Chinatown, actually just selling fruits and vegetables off a push cart. And uh, from there, he. Uh, actually uh, rented out a couple of spots in the Mets parking garage. That's on 40th street in Manhattan. It's the New York times building today, but back then it was a, uh, it was a parking garage where every major uh, fashion designer parked their car. And we re- basically rented four parking spaces and set up a fruit store there every day. Huh. And, uh, you know, sold a, sold a lot of produce. And uh, that's how I, that's how I got my start in this business. And uh, everything, Everything uh, after that has been, uh, you know, a progression. Uh, you know, I just didn't want to be a fruit peddler my whole life. So I started wholesaling. Then I got into retailing and the retail stores. Then uh, I went into the army for a little bit, took a little va- vacation from the produce business, went into the army and uh, came back out and uh, picked up where I left off and uh, became a buyer of uh, a high volume uh, produce chain. And 
like I said, uh, then we got into the shipping end of it and, you know, shipping stuff out of Mexico and, uh, and, uh, the rest is uh, history, you know, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so you go from a high volume, uh, buyer to, to now to what top cats, like, are you you're the owner of top cats, general manager? No. no. Uh, general manager. Uh, I tell you the truth. Now I don't really manage anyone because everyone uh, ever, since uh, COVID nineteen we closed. It's it, you know we're New York based uh, company, mm-hmm. and uh, I moved. I moved to Texas to to. Do, uh, we had an office down here several years ago. It didn't you know we didn't have the right people, so I came down here uh, four years ago, and uh, it was a good move for me, good for our business. But now, uh, you know, with COVID, the the office stayed closed. Everybody got used to working from home and. Uh, I've been an advocate for that for, you know, in this business, in this day and age, you don't have to be tied to a desk. I used to tell people many times I've, uh, I used to sell st- more stuff in uh, in the car on the way home some days than uh, I just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's that kind of business. So. so, I mean, you know, there's a million ways we can take this conversation today with your experience. I think. And I will. Believe me, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm known for going off on tangents, so uh, be prepared. All right, well, I'll try to rein you in and, and try to keep it keep it uh, concise. So, with okay, let, let's start here. Just with the present current events and present day, you know, trucking and logistics, you, you have some experience there, and and we can you can speak on that. But obviously, it, like logistics is is just very. Uh, it's out of control right now. There, there's a shortage of drivers. There's the whole supply and demand swings. It's a tight market for trucks, depending on where you are, but pretty much uh, everywhere but Florida right now is tight. Well, as far as produce goes, you know, obviously right now it is August 4th. We're recording this. You know, California is hot right now. It's going to remain hot for all the way until February. Um uh, well, won't you touch on the cycles of produce and maybe some of the commodities and, you know, different produce types that you specialized in and maybe some of the shipping challenges. I know asparagus is very fragile and easy to, you know, spill all over the truck. Kind of touch on those if you could. Well, my, my, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, my main personal email is red pepper King, uh, at gmail.com. So there's my major commodity. I sell a lot of red peppers. I sell them 52 weeks a year. I sell them from the United States, from Mexico. Uh, I, I sell them from overseas. Uh, you're big in the red pepper business and you're, you're bringing the, the peppers from Mexico, just like a lot of people bring avocados from Mexico. Mexico, we're shipping right now from uh, Mexico and uh, well, here, for, here in Texas, they're crossing here in Texas and uh, in California. Uh, in Southern, Central, and uh, this weekend we'll start in Northern California. Uh, so that's that's a big thing for me. Uh, I, listen, I've done all the items. Most of the things I do today are uh, are uh, Mexican vegetables, and there's other people in my office that do mangoes, avocados, and also people that do uh, you know like uh, the Southern vegetables. So we all have a pretty much our our own uh, niche in our in our organization. So we don't we we don't cross over too much. Okay. Okay. So produce coming from Mexico, coming from California, and then just selling it anywhere in the nation or, yes, you know, yes. 
mainly northeast going to you know hunts point or you know anywhere last week i had stuff going you know to north you know all of northeast you know philadelphia new york boston i had stuff going to chicago i have stuff going to north carolina florida so yeah we you know we covered pretty well okay okay and you know what is what are the differences like working with the buyers in, in the northeast versus down in florida there is no difference produce people are the same wherever you go you know, it's, uh, you know, real, re, excuse me, real produce people. There's uh, a lot of, uh, if you follow me at all, there, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, things that just don't make sense to me now in the produce business. I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of things that work and don't work. So, uh, you know, some of them are not even buyers. They look at spreadsheets and they say, well, we were on sale with the, uh, red peppers last year for 99 cents. Let's do it again this year. You know what I mean? And they don't take into account, you know what I mean? Maybe it was 115 degrees. Maybe there was floods. Maybe they don't take anything that into consideration. They just, they're not buyers. They're order givers and order takers. So uh, a real buyer, listen, I only do 12 items. I'll go against anybody in the country with against the 12 items that I do. I know where they come from, when they start, when they stop, what the weather conditions are in the area, what the demand is. Those are all the things that make a buyer on top of great relationships with your customers, great relationship with your customers and your, and your growers. So that's what really makes a good buyer. Uh, for sure. Now, and, and you know, it, it's easier to do business with people you already know when you're you know already working with the buyers, but let's say you're bringing on a new customer, a new buyer, you know, just like how, you know, we work with companies, in the produce business, they're always saying, okay, you know, it, it's all by the hour almost, you know, what's your rate for this line haul? You know, very, very rate specific. I mean, but we try to communicate reliability and things of that nature with you. How do you, let's, let's say if somebody can get their, their peppers for 20 cents cheaper somewhere else, why should they buy from you? Listen, there's always going to be, there's, you know, I call them uh, bottom feeders. I, my my, uh, my whole thing, my whole mantra is you get them when they're hot, when they're hot, you take them when they're not. So I just said I was a 52-week red pepper shipper. My customers have red peppers 52 weeks a year. Market could be two or 200. They're going to have them. But when the market's two, I expect them to take them as well. I give right. everybody the opportunity to mess up, but uh, – you know, that's the, that's the whole that's the whole thing uh, in this business. On the grower side, they have to get, they give me the red peppers when they're short. No one has them. But on the customer side, they need the, they have to have the same respect when the grower has so many that they can't, can't sell them. They, they can't just say, oh, I could buy them for 20 cents less. So they know with me. I may be higher one week, but or maybe, you know, maybe the cheap guy one week. But at the end of the year, I'm the guy to do business with. No, that's good. And, and you know, when you're working with a new buyer, it's hard to communicate, hey, this this is like an annual agreement. You know, we, yeah, it might be high or low, but this this is steady throughout the year. A lot of people chase low or, or complain about high rates, but, but with a new buyer, that's very difficult to establish that sort of trust early on. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, that's one of the things that uh, an old timer have seen a big change in this business. There used to be a lot of loyalty in this business. When I, when I was buying literally 
tens of thousands of dollars in produce every day. It was written on, we used to call them, we had uh, call cards. Basically, I, you know, Andy, uh, what do you got? I want to buy uh, peppers from you. How much are they? $6. Okay, I write, give me 500 peppers, $6. There was no signed contract. There was nothing. It was Paul Manfrey's word again and Andy Barr's word. And believe me, we had very, very few discrepancies. Right. And when, when, when Paul was on sale and the market took off, Andy knew to take care of Paul because when the market would turn the other way, Paul would take care of Andy. You understand? Exactly. Unfortunately, as the years go by, that's becoming more and more of a lost art. Now, I happen to be in a very, very good position that I only really do business now with people I really want to. So I, want, I obviously always want more customers, but they have to be the, the kind of people that feel the way that I feel, that this is an end of year business, that we're going to have we're going to have highs and lows, but I'll tell them at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, you're going to make money with me. I just need you to be loyal to me because I'm going to be loyal to you, and that's you know that's the way I present myself. Uh, if I tell a guy he has an exclusive in an area, he has an exclusive in the area, but but at the same respect, he's got to <laughs> give me that same respect and make sure he takes them every week, right? Oh no, no, and you can only back this up with you know, normalized pricing year round with phenomenal grower relationships. How do you, how do you establish that? There's no such thing as normal pricing year round. Yeah. You know, forget about it. And it, you know, just, it, it just doesn't happen to produce business. The problem is all these very, very smart people that went to Harvard MBA and Yale and Cornell, they think they can fit the produce business into that business model they learned about in college. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not gonna work. And it just doesn't fit. I was actually going to talk about this that this weekend, like all the steps, you know what I mean? Like when you're, you, you know, if you're making widgets, you know, if you have too many widgets, you, you shut down the conveyor belt for four or five hours and you have less widgets. You know what I mean? If, if you don't have sales, you leave those widgets on a shelf and you wait for, you know, Christmas when you're going to sell more widgets. We can't do that in the produce business. You can't, you know, you can't have a, a fixed price because if you want here, let me get into it. Major retailers, something I speak about all the time. Mm-hmm. They go on contract with an item and they could go on contract with freight, which this year would have been a great thing for them if they went on contract last year. Right. But yeah, anyway. see, everybody wants contracts when there's volatility. Everybody yeah. does. Yeah. Right. Okay. But let's say, okay. So Chainsaw goes on, on sale uh, on contract. Let's say, well, we're going to use Roma tomatoes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to pay $15 delivered for six months, okay? And they and they think it's great. Now, the market, the spot market, let's say costs 22 delivered, all right? So the chain store with the $15 price is not selling those, those tomatoes based on the 22, the real market, which is $22. They're making their profit on the $15 and they're selling a ton of them. Right. Now, the farmers could have been selling those Roma tomatoes based on a $22 market, but he's got to give them all to those chain stores on contract, right? Because he's got to do his part of the deal. Okay. Right. So the chain store now even wants more than the contracts because they're selling so many. Why? Because he's 15 and everybody else is 22. Right. Right. The farmer doesn't have them because he could give away, you know, he could sell the other ones to, based on the 22. Okay. Right. So that's, that's once. So they didn't make as much as they could have, when they had the opportunity. Now let's do the reverse. 
The market goes to 10. They're still on contract for 15, right? Mm-hmm. Now all the competition is, is selling their Roma tomatoes based on $10. And the chain store is not selling any Roma tomatoes. Why? Because they're based on 15 and all the consumers are going to the other guy's store. Right. But what do they do? Oh, whoa, whoa, we're on contract for 10 loads, but I, I only can take five. We're not selling them. We're not selling them. Could you drop the price? Could you drop the price? Well, why would the farmer want to drop the price? He just gave you 15 when the market was 22. Now you don't even want to take your contract for 15 because the market's 10. So now when the farmer really needs to move them, because remember, if the market's 10, it's it's cheap. Right. And they got they got they obviously have more to sell. They need that guy to take more, not less. And that is why fixed pricing does not work in the produce business. Hundred percent. Same way in, in transportation. I mean, if you are an asset-based carrier, sure, you can dedicate your fleet, and doesn't matter what the market is. You agree to this rate, and, and that's it. That's it. But as a as a three PL, we have to follow the market, just like the produce guys. You know, you have to ebb and flow with the market. You know, it's the exact same thing. Uh, unfortunately, the you know the largest you know companies, fortunately or unfortunately, they. They're only, you know, they'll do that annual RFP, you know, the contract rate. Are there, is there anybody like a, a large company, say a Walmart, will just, hey, I'm only going to do 12-month pricing for produce? There, uh, the, I think it's more like uh, the people I know that give contract is more seasonal because they're not going to take the produce from a, a an, excuse me, very few items are grown in one area year round. That's, you know, that, you know, you, again, back in the day, you know, it was, there was a lot of seasons. We didn't have blueberries in the winter. We didn't have cherries in the winter. We, but even then there's different growers, right? The cherries come from Washington, California, Oregon, Idaho now, but sure. in the winter time they're coming from Chile and they're coming from South America, right? So it's the same commodity, but from a different person. So I, I would say like, it's more seasonal than, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a new salesperson coming into the produce industry, you know no one. Yeah. How do you succeed? <laughs> I uh you know, I can remember CH Robinson when I was in New York. Uh-huh. They used to bring all their uh, new brokers to my office and they used to <laughs> ask me. And I've given some talks. I've given some talks about, you know, what it takes, to, you know, to be a good truck broker, a good salesman. To me, to, to me, you know, do what you you know, walk your, you know, do walk, what you say, walk your talk, don't lie. I tell, I tell truck brokers all the time, you know, I'm, I move volume. I, our motto is we pay fast, not too much. Uh, I, I work 24 seven. If we have a problem at two o'clock in the morning, you're going to be up with me. Right. If you don't answer your phone, you probably won't ever get another phone call from me either, because if we're going to suffer, we're going to suffer together. So on that respect, I'm a, I'm a little hard, but the buck stops with me. So if you tell me, if, if there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. So if you tell me, I, we had a truck delivered, it was supposed to deliver Sunday morning, right, in New York. And you tell me on Friday, Paul, the truck broke down in, uh, in Ohio, and we're not going to make Sunday morning. Well, I could probably fix that. Let everybody know, maybe make right. sure, maybe I got another truck that could drop a few off. I could always. Advance notice. Yeah. Right. You tell me at 10 a.m. when the truck was supposed to be at 6 a.m., the truck's Ohio, we're going to have a problem. So 
And well, I'm a lot softer now than I used to be. I used to scream and jumping up, up, up and down, but really screaming up and jumping up and down is only doesn't, doesn't do you, doesn't do doing it, it help. Doesn't yeah. do too much. Yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, you know, you have to, you know, be honest. And I tell you the truth, you know, you know, the old saying shit rolls downhill and that's, that's what I'm going to say. Like if, you know, if you lie, if the truck lies to you, then you're going to lie to the customer and then the customer or, or the broker and the broker is going to lie. That's to so the, true. That's so right? true. You have to get, you have to get real information, authentic information from the, the actual driver. I mean, when we, when we're talking with dispatchers, yes, they're usually telling the truth, but if there's, you use your experience, if there's any yeah. sort of sixth sense that, Hey, it seems things a little gray, yeah. you know, you, you need to talk to that driver. I'm going to tell you two stories. I once had a guy who told me he was on the George Washington bridge. And he literally was in Ohio. Okay, <laughs> He told me I had another truck that picked up in Nogales. We couldn't find the truck. He drove two days in Mexico. I'm sorry. What was yeah. it? He, he was it? What's that? He picked up in Nogales. Uh-huh. To come to New York. He spent two days in Mexico. He went the wrong way. I guess instead of going north, he went south. <laughs> so, I mean. Wow. Yeah. I've, uh. Really, we've had drugs put on our trucks, you know what I mean? That You know, which is another catastrophe, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what happens to produce? They find drugs on the truck and then they they take, you know, and who gets hurt? You know, the, the farmer gets it. Well, the trucking company gets hurt, but it's, you know, they, they what are they going to do? They, they're not going to put it on the refrigeration. They're going to take it on the side of the road, right? Unload the truck. You know, the stuff is going to melt. And uh and you have a thirty or forty thousand dollar claim because a guy wants to put drugs on the truck or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right? There's, there's, there's nothing I have not experienced. I had uh, a trucking company in 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 two weeks' time. This is this maybe fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. Three loads of lost three loads of avocados. I mean. One driver actually died. One, you know, drove off a mountain. You know, one was on the side of his truck in a in a cornfield. I mean, you can't, you know. And of course, avocados at the time, as you know, was like you know sixty or eighty thousand dollars a load. You know, what I mean, it's like you know. Yeah, of course, perfect timing. Yeah, it's amazing that the, the trucks that are always late is not the stuff that's four dollars or or you know what I mean. Right. It's always, it's always. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Stuff with thirty or forty dollar packages on it that <laughs> oh that then that that's not even like if you do some frozen seafood i mean it could be a hundred dollars a case yeah and and you know you know the forklift stabs you know two cases yeah that's the you know yeah. rare asian shrimp from taiwan that's you know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know we, we we've had some some carriers you know run a a dedicated you know a 18 pallet dedicated truck you know, they chopped it up. They went LTL and then they tried to cover it up. Right. Um, and, you know, fortunately we had the documentation in place. Uh, no, nothing stolen yet. I had one, I had one truck got their trailer repossessed because they didn't make the payments on the trailer. So that was fun. Uh, but then we, we did coordinate with the, I guess you call it the possession company and we got the load delivered. So that was, <laughs> that was. Uh, I, had a, I had a truck road once that uh, took my load for a truck, right? And then, you know, it was going to be sharp. He put it on a van because the van rate was probably $1,000 less. And then he didn't make delivery on time. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, like I said, I've seen it all. I, I, and because I've seen it all, these are the questions I'll ask 
You know what I mean? Uh, what I'm doing business now, you know, it's a truck, it's not a van, but you know what I mean? Like, like stuff that you wouldn't even think of asking that, you know, you ask because it's happened to you. you know, like that, uh, what's that commercial law? Uh, that insurance company that sees uh, State Farm, you know, like uh, they've seen it all. So I've seen it all when it comes to the produce business. Yeah, no, I mean, well, that's just liability, right? If you're hauling onions and you can think you can sneak it by with a, a vented van versus a reefer, don't yeah. don't do that. You know, yeah. just 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 run on the reefer. Yeah. So, well, you know, Paul, thank you for alluding to the truck brokerage, uh, the, the truck broker sales position. I was I, my, my original question was more of if you're getting in the business as a uh, produce salesperson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I've seen. I listen. There are there are some stars in this business. Mm-hmm. I would say there's there's stars in this business. I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna. There are some people that work for a company. I don't want to mention any company names, but the, you know there are some great companies in the produce business, right? There's a lot of companies that you know everybody wants to do with. If you went to every chain store, they're in every chain store, right? Mm-hmm. So now you go to work for those comp that company, right? You're going to have a very, very good education. You're going to get, you're going to get uh, a lot of experience, a lot of exposure to all the different aspects of of the customers in a, in the industry. But what happens? <laughs> some people think they're calling for them, so they they let's say they leave that great company and they go to uh, you know Paulie's Produce Company, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> and they thought they were the greatest thing in sliced bread. And they found out that the people were calling for the company, not for them. Right. So be humble. Learn what you get. Being a produce salesman, I, I, I uh, listen, we've been trying to hire people f- for many, many years. And I don't know if you know that, you know, S. Cashman, Top Banana, all, all own part of Top Cats. Okay. So they're very, two very successful companies. So I tell them, Sometimes they say, you know, we'll train somebody. Okay, we're going to train somebody. So I give this, I always use this example. Let's just talk about how many boxes are on a skid of red peppers, right? Simple question. Sure. So I could tell the guy, well, there could be 56, there could be 77, 80, 88, 100, 90, 80. And the guy's like, his eyes glass over, right? What do you mean, Roll? Big boxes of 56, 15 pounders could be 70, 77, 80, 85, right. 88. You know, 11 pounders could be 80, 90, 100, 110, 120. So just one item, just one item has all that information. And that's just a package. We didn't even get to know if it's good, if it's bad, what size, you know what I mean? The stems. That, so right. it, it's a really... It's a really hard industry to learn. So my best, best advice to anyone that wants to be a produce salesman, you start in retail. That is your best advice I could give you. Start in retail, like on the buyer side? No, at the bottom. Everybody wants to start at the top. Everybody wants to start at the top. No, at the bottom, stock shelves. That's where you learn the produce business. That's what you learn what's in the box. And once you know what's in the box, then you could sell the box to anyone. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I mean, yeah, if you would do that, you know, unloading trucks and, and, and stocking shelves and yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you something. I, I'm going to tell you something about our organization. Uh, Steve Katzman, probably one of the biggest guys, probably the biggest by my lifelong friend. He was the porter, the foreman, his father, he used to stand next to his father and he was the porter. He was the, the, the ticket getter. He was the golfer. He was everything. When his kids came in the business, they all started the same way. They all started repacking tomatoes, taking garbage out. They started on the floor. To me, that's why that company will be around for another hundred years because they learn from the bottom. A lot of times fathers with their sons and daughters want to make things easier. It's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not to their benefit. You learn from the bottom. Like, you know, if somebody says to me, Paul, how can I do that? Well, I could say, I did that. You understand? I, I know what it's like, you know, you know, everything now was with jacks and, you know, everything is electric. When I started, right. this, it was with a hand truck. I loaded stuff on the floor. I, it wasn't on skids. So yes, I've done that. And when, when you learn from that, I just think all the steps upward become much easier because you know all, all the steps that preceded it. Paul, that makes perfect sense. Learn from the ground up, hands on, you know, that that's, that's the best way to do it. You know, you can read from a book. Someone can tell you about it. Someone can show you, but until you actually get in there and get your hands dirty, you know, for a while, you know, um, and also it will, it might lead you to find out a better way to do something. You know what I mean? If you just did it, like, you know, the old thing, we always did it that way. Well, if you always did it that way, nobody's ever doing it differently now. You're always going to do it that way. And it might not be the best way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. So Paul, as we wrap this up, you know, is there, you know, a closing thought about Top Cats? Um, Any new, new products, you know, anything about the upcoming season or current season, anything you want to end with? Yes, I want all the customers that listen to this to become my customers. That's number one. Remember, <laughs> you take them when they're hot. You take them when they're not. Uh, and no, I love I love the produce business. I share my knowledge with you know uh, on my uh, LinkedIn every week. I do a couple of postings every week. Uh, check me out there. Uh, you and you could disagree with me, and I love comments. I love I love discussions, and. You don't have to agree with me because I tell you the truth. The only way you make things better is by uh, conversation. So uh, by uh, actually finding a better way together, you know, maybe I'll convince you, maybe you'll convince me, or maybe we'll come up with a better solution. So uh, that's it. I just, uh, I love the produce business. And I tell people all the time, people say, well, you know, when are you going to retire? And I tell I tell everybody the same thing, probably three days after I die, uh, <laughs> five days if the, if the market's hot. So, <laughs> all right, Paul Manfrey, thank you again. Uh, what's your email? Uh, I have two uh, P Manfrey, P M A N F R E at topcats, T O P K A T Z dot com. And the other one is red pepper king at gmail.com. There you go. The red pepper king, Paul Manfrey. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr with Bar Transportation. 
Now, if you are a successful leader in the food and beverage space, believe in your company, and want to share your story, really look no further. All you have to do is go to bartrans, B-A-H-R-T-R-A-N-S dot com forward slash podcast forward slash apply to apply to be on the show. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our show, please consider sharing the link or a screenshot on your social media account. We want to help as many people as possible who truly believe education and discussion is where it all starts. Of course, if you know someone that would be a great guest, connect us and we'll explore to see if it's a good fit. Again, thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. And as always, we'll leave you with our favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. Now go crush life and we'll see you again soon.